0: You're listening to Curated Podcast from the Beyond Infinity radio program broadcast live on Tuesdays from 11am from our Mornington studios in Victoria, Australia. Presented by me, Piers Cunningham. And me, John Young. And let's get into our science and technology news for the week. You may have heard already that President Trump has decided that uh, it's not enough to have an air force. Mm -hmm. Uh, America needs a space force as well. And this is despite America actually being a signatory to the Outer Space Treaty. It's been around since the Apollo era Mm -hmm. and uh, that actually says that it bans weapons of mass destruction in space and the UN actually has come out with a, a report recently saying that space will be a fundamental pillar of human development in the 21st century. So these are... May or may not be at odds with uh, what President Trump has got to say about this new fifth pillar of the U.S. military. He's concerned about uh, Russia and China being up there. So That's he right. To lead it, but he's looking to take over the the, the sea, the, the the skies, and and space as well. To give him some due, he uh, is talking, I think, more about sort of continuing America's domination of space exploration. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to see the likes of Russia and China pull ahead. China's got some pretty big ambitions for Mm. space development, space stations of its own, that sort of stuff. There is always the possibility that the militarization of space will take place despite that UN agreement. So we'll just wait and see. If more detail comes out, we will let you know about the space force that's proposed. But I thought it was interesting that this coincided with uh, a uh, report from the UN, a top UN space official, basically saying that after relentless progress in space technology, the focus of the international community must now shift to ensuring the benefits of space science are available to everyone, everywhere. There's different competing interests regarding space development. Let's hope that it it's remains, corporation a, coordination. remains a yeah. peaceful a peaceful use of, of space. We know that when they test missiles to see if they can knock out satellites, that just adds a lot of space junk, and it's mm. happened already. Moving on with the news, I thought this was kind of bizarre, but maybe it's a good idea. There are lots of data centres everywhere, and mm. Microsoft has a plan to actually put its data centres at the bottom of the sea to keep mm. them cool. The benefit is if you put them up in the North Sea, in fact, the area they're talking about is up sort of northern waters off Scotland, mm. where the seawater is pretty cool, and this saves on... On one of the big costs of running data centers is is the cooling to keep all those banks and banks of servers uh, at a constant temperature. Yep. If you can do that by actually submerging the whole lot of them in a container that's that's safe and secure mm-hmm. underwater, then that can actually save on your power consumption. Heat output on server rooms is amazing, I and mean, if you walked into one, it's just uh, it hits
1: you really, really. You know, it's 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 like being in a you know tropical country with all the amount of heat there, and that actually harms the components, and therefore you need to keep those cool, and that's why something like this using the the natural available energy to keep it cool is going to be the best solution going forward.
0: What they do is they basically load 12 racks containing a total of 864 servers and associated cooling system infrastructure inside a tube. Microsoft partnered with a French company called the Naval Group, which is a 400-year-old French company that is applying the heat exchange process that's been used for cooling submarines to keep these underwater server containers cool for mm-hmm. Microsoft. They're 12.2 metres in length by 2.5 eight meters in diameter that's about the size of a 40 foot shipping container that you might see on a ship or a truck the electrical power source is uh, 100% locally produced renewable electricity from onshore wind and solar, offshore tide or wave. So Mm -hmm. they're trying to do it in a clean way. They already have the fibre optic cable and the connection to the internet uh, and the networks that they want to be providing data to is already there on the sea floor. Mm -hmm. and they actually use a submersible robot to go under there and plug it into this container that they lower down and off they go with a submersible
1: server. Maintenance will be an issue I imagine because to get an actual person to get in there and fix it you might have to raise back up or have some kind of pumping station to make sure that none of the uh, the
0: water gets in? Apparently, they're designed to last for five years without servicing. That's a cost-effective horizon. Given the work that they do and the benefits of having them down there, the electricity saved makes a five-year lifespan or better Mm -hmm. a viable alternative. Apparently, in 2016, a government survey in the US showed that data centres were using 70 billion kilowatt hours of electricity in 2014, which was equal to 1.8% of America's total energy consumption. Mm. So they're very significant uses of electricity. So this is a way that's been put forward by Microsoft to get around that great expense and ultimately environmental impact now just moving on we've talked quite a bit about artificial intelligence some of the fears have been raised by the likes of elon musk that ai has got risks if it's if it gets out of control we could wind up it's that whole terminator with the slaves machines yeah yeah when do they become omniscient and aware of everything and outsmart us it's all science fiction but science fiction has a habit of becoming science fact unless we're careful so google has a deep mind algorithm which is kind of mimicking the way children learn about from things from scratch that concept of free play where instead of giving them sort of directions about what they want them to play with Mm -hmm. they're given a space and it's like go for it this is called generative query networks it's all about trying to identify images and and motion pictures so video and images is what uh, what they're trying to teach ai to be Mm -hmm. able to interpret and and so for example if you if you played a youtube video it'd be great if ai could tell you if that contains offensive material Mm -hmm. or not yep that would be a beneficial thing One network looks at an image and tries to describe it in the most concise way possible, and the second network takes that description and tries to predict what the scene would look like from a different viewpoint. When an incorrect prediction is made, the two networks update themselves to reduce the chance of making the same mistake in the future. An Australian... Yeah, Rob Buttock, professor at the Queensland University of Technology, I think it's uh, Michael Milford. Exactly. He is saying that eventually when you put this on a robot or in a car, you want to make sure you understand what it can do and what it won't do. Even if you not telling it what to do, it is going to learn different views of the world. So we just need to be conscious of that as they get more and more complex. I guess this comes back to the idea of explainability. You yeah, don't morals be... and ethics. How do you explain that to a machine? Yeah, but very useful with self-driving cars. Yeah. Obviously, you yeah. know, choosing. Okay, I've got two disastrous scenarios in front of me. Do I hit the school crossing mm-hmm. or do I drive in the department store? That kind of yeah. you know instant decision I Harm people on the road. Yeah, yeah, like I mean, there was a guy who crash landed a plane at Morabbin Airport and managed to land in a, in a street. And not damage anyone apart from himself he Mm -hmm. actually died in the process he was hailed as a hero so getting machines to kind of make those sort of decisions is part of the benefit of this kind of artificial intelligence and the other area that they're trying to apply this to is home care robots so with the world's aging population Mm -hmm. you can have robots that have been trained to look after people that will be a very useful thing in the future so different applications for that GQN technology it's part of Google's deep mind algorithm and GQN stands for generative query network more on our website in our show notes and look finally from me before i hand over to john antarctica is melting three times as fast as a decade ago and this is obviously a worry for sea level rise mm-hmm. between 60 and 90 percent of the world's fresh water is frozen in the ice sheets of antarctica antarctica if you're wondering is about uh, it's actually about the size of the united states and mexico combined so it's a very large landmass, much bigger than australia yes If all that ice was to melt, which it's not predicted to happen that quickly, but the the trend is that it is melting and it's accelerating, that would actually raise the world's sea levels by 200 feet. So we would be in trouble. A lot of our coastal Mm. cities would have to be moved or would be inundated. The most alarming thing is that between 1992 and and 2017, Antarctica shed 3 million tonnes of ice but 40% of that increase came from the last five years of the study period from 2012 to 2017 so it seems to be accelerating mm-hmm. one of the, the explanations that's been put forward of the about this is that warm ocean water is hitting the, the sort of the frozen underside. coastline yep. well it's hitting the, the edges of the ice pack and that's where they're, they're losing most ice mm-hmm. and, then, and it breaks off and it, and it melts and then it uh, gradually over time will increase sea levels something to look out for again more information on our show notes. John what have Go for
1: well, with uh, Europe's new GDPR email marketing, you know, requirements that we've reported on previously, yep. which is the uh, the General Data Protection Regulation, mm-hmm. it's actually proving quite good for uh, the regular internet user, particularly for email users, because it's. It's helping to kill email marketing. I know there's a lot of people, including myself, that get really annoyed and sick of receiving unsolicited emails or way too many emails from companies that, you know, maybe you signed up for an account but didn't realize you were, you know, actually ticking the box that said, send me your marketing material. (laughs) Or maybe you've signed up and that company has then shared your information with another company or sold your information or there's been data mining of some sort. Now, with the new rules, it's actually a requirement of the protection regulation that you have to have purchased something from the company. Or you have to explicitly agree to receive these emails. So, if you've gone to a trade show, for example, and then you've just dropped the card into a fishbowl to win a prize, yeah. that's not an acceptable method to then use that for email marketing now under these GDPR rules. Okay. So what this is meaning is is that companies are being you know more vigilant on you know what they send and who they send it to.
0: And what are legitimate ways to gather the data to start with?
1: Exactly. So this is really good for consumers that have been receiving all of this rubbish over the you know how many years. Yeah. I've noticed that since, you know, all the emails we be saying, oh, our terms of service have updated.
0: Well, since that in itself has been like spam, hasn't it? it all has. these things saying we now comply with GDPR regulations or things that have been forced on them by those GDPR regulations.
1: Look, here's a little bit of a, a live pro tip though, I guess, is if you've been receiving a lot of these emails and they're still in your inbox, um, if you sort of had a puzzled think about, hang on, I don't remember signing up to this, what a great time to unsubscribe to their service. Mm. So just open that email again and then click on the unsubscribe and you should receive nothing more from in future. But with this, it also should mean that uh, hopefully you're not receiving
0: anything if you have not purchased or don't explicitly say, send me some uh, marketing material. I would imagine that would have a big impact on sort of marketers and people who've used all that, you know, harvested yeah. emails but, from all uh, around the world, all the, different sources. The for issue years. for
1: years has been that, um, you know, lists are for sale, whether it's been some data mining that's occurred from websites where someone has gone along and said, oh, here's an email address, I'll grab that and I'll put it on my list. It's untargeted. And, and what happens is those lists are sold for pennies uh, or, or cents, mm. essentially. Mm. And so you might buy 50,000, 100,000. And emails, mm. and it'll cost you a few dollars. Mm. That then was people getting spammed with, mm. um, you know, lots of emails. What has happened over the last 15, 20 years is a slow movement or progression towards qualified people and better lists. And Mm. that means people are actually interested in your product. So if you're still buying lists in 2018, it's smack in the back of your hand and you shouldn't be in email marketing, Mm. that is a bad thing to do. You should be marketing directly to the people who want to receive your material. And that would be people who've purchased your product or explicitly say, yes, please send me your email marketing And you've got to be
0: careful because you're actually going to be in breach of GDPR rules anyway.
1: Exactly, Mm if you're marketing to anyone that's in Europe and your products could be sold there then this means that you are definitely caught up in this GDPR protections Mm -hmm. so you should look be looking at who you send to where you're sending it and uh, will you have customers over there and make sure that you're complying with these Regulations, or you'll be caught with a lot of a uh, big fine. Okay. Now a new phone has been released. It has an in-display fingerprint sensor. It's a good sign. It's a good step forward. This is an international model. It's a Vivo X21. It's just been released. Now, traditionally, uh, you know, if we, for example with the iPhone, you've had the fingerprint reader down the very bottom of, of the screen. On the home button. Yeah. On the brand new X model, they actually have the face. They reading have face ID. ID. And it has a
0: little notch, forward-facing camera. So they got rid of the fingerprint scanner.
1: And a lot of people were upset about that. They were saying that it's not as reliable if you're wearing a hat or if you'd Mm. shaved or Mm. or some scenario Mm. uh, had meant that it might be difficult and they were going back to the pin operation. This in-display fingerprint reader has been in in discussions for years. I know Samsung have talked about it Mm. uh, and... It's actually been released in a, a phone that you can actually use right away. Yep. So what it does is in the bottom end of the phone in a small box area, you can put your thumb, it'll light up with some sort of sparks coming out. Or that, that sort of gives you the indication of where you put your thumb. Right. Um, you put your thumb down there. Apparently it takes just a, a little bit longer than what the traditional fingerprint scanners do. It's using the light from the, an OLED display. Because it, it has to be an OLED display. OLED, it doesn't yep. work with the LCDs or LEDs type displays. It mm. only works with that OLED. Mm. It's shining a light on your finger and converting that image into the biometric data that it needs to unlock your device. Right. Mm. It, it's still in its infancy. Uh, there's most likely going to be problems with it. What it means is we're probably going to see more of this come out in, in years to come, definitely over the next couple of generations of the, the, probably the top-end phones, I would think probably from 2019 onwards. Uh, maybe they'll move to the full-screen fingerprint reader, so that means when you pick up your phone, just just tap your thumb on the mm. display, and then
0: you'll be ready to use it rather than sort of trying to hunt for the I, I mean, there already. were rumours that Apple looked at trying to do this before opting in the end for those forward-facing cameras on the iPhone X and mm-hmm. the notch at the top, which has them. You don't get a complete full screen from edge to edge. You have a little notch at the top. So this may be something to keep an eye out for when there's future releases this, of yeah. iPhones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I would think most likely it would be next year, but there's a potential for this year. Mm. Yeah. And just finally from me, a major biometrics project has been scrapped here in Australia. Mm. The Australian Criminal Intelligence Commission, the ACIC, had a $46 million deal with a tech company, NEC Australia, and that was back in 2016 and that was designed to expand the fingerprint database and include things like facial recognition and footprints in in the database just due to cost blowouts and overspends apparently by millions of dollars. They've sort of enacted the termination for convenience clause which is a sort of a standard inclusion in any government contract which basically allows them to abandon a project if they're not happy with it and they've essentially walked away. They're not saying that the technology is bad or the systems itself are bad it's just that they can't absorb the additional costs that apparently this project is is delivering so on the one hand I think this is great it's great for those who are concerned about privacy the last thing you want is all of this biometric information being stored and then have the potential for hacking or release which is a major concern but on the other hand you know this would be a useful platform for tracking or monitoring criminals across the country mm. so mm. I think it's more inevitable that we'll have more biometric type scans and databases in future but for the moment it's been canned
0: yep and there goes 46 million dollars.
1: Thanks for listening. And head to beyondinfinity.com.au for the best bits from the live show or to connect with us on social media. We welcome your feedback and suggestion for future shows.